Today is April 7th, 2023. Welcome to the first ever recording of the STAT Regimen, a special series providing brief, recent updates regarding public health events in Rhode Island. Listen to find out how pharmacists and pharmacy students like me can improve population health, health equity, and patient care through advocacy and education. My name is Brindley Rosepars, and I'm a final year pharmacy student at the University of Rhode Island, working alongside the Rhode Island Department of Health with my professor, Dr. Bradberg. And I'm Jeff Bradberg. I'm a clinical professor of pharmacy practice and clinical research at the College of Pharmacy and the academic collaborations officer at the Department of Health. Nothing we say here is, uh, is reflective of the opinions of the Department of Health, the U.S. government, the Rhode Island government, or, or the College of Pharmacy. All our opinions are our own. So tell us, who do we have on the STAT regimen? Today, we are thrilled to welcome Dr. Chris Federico onto this special episode of the podcast to discuss some recent legislative updates that have occurred in the state of Rhode Island surrounding pharmacists and other public health issues. Chris is a board-certified ambulatory care pharmacist, nationally certified diabetes educator, and president-elect of the Rhode Island Pharmacists Association. He joined us on the podcast almost exactly one year ago for our episode on the regimen for legislation and implementation of pharmacist-prescribed hormonal contraceptive. Welcome back to the podcast, Chris. Please feel free to introduce yourself for our listeners and tell us a bit more about yourself. Thanks, Brindley, and feel free to call me Chris throughout the rest of the podcast. But uh, as you mentioned before, I'm the president-elect of the Rhode Island Pharmacists Association. I'm actually doing my second stint on the Pharmacy Association board, and uh, I'm really thrilled to be back here and talking about some legislative updates that happened in the past few weeks. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're that so was less than two minutes, Chris. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Well, Chris, thank you so well, much. This is the stat, you know, this is stat. the stat version of the podcast for the regimen. So when everyone I'm, who knows, everyone who knows Dr. Federico knows that it's, it's stat Chris yes. today. <laughs> All right. Tell us what's going on, Bryn. Absolutely. So before diving into the legislative updates uh, we'll be discussing today, let's first give a brief overview of the bills that we'll be discussing. So first off, we have Senate Bill number 103, introduced by Senator Megan Coleman, which would give pharmacists the authority to prescribe and dispense hormonal contraceptives, so the oral pill, patch, and ring. Next, we have Senate Bill number 292, introduced by Senator Bridget Valverde, which would give pharmacists the authority to prescribe and dispense FDA-approved tobacco cessation products, including nicotine replacement therapy and other medications such as bupropion and Chantix. And then lastly, we have Senate Bill number 563, introduced by Senator Melissa Murray, which would ensure insurance coverage for the prevention of HIV infection, otherwise known as PrEP and PEP, as well as give pharmacists the ability to prescribe HIV prevention drugs through a standing order, collaborative practice agreement, or board of pharmacy approved protocol. So Chris, just to kind of start off this conversation, what has happened recently with these bills that are of interest to our listeners? Yeah, great question, Brinley. So for those that don't know how the legislative process works, uh, for any bill that is introduced, they have to go through both chambers in the state. So they have to go through not only the House of Representatives, but also through the Senate. So typically with many of these bills, they're both introduced hopefully simultaneously and then also have similar language within each bill. So last month we saw that the House introduced uh, these three bills, uh, different numbers and different, you know, different sponsors, but for this time, we have uh, the two that you mentioned before, which I'll tackle first, um, going through the contraception bill and then also the tobacco bill. For Senator Megan Coleman's bill, uh, S-103, um, this is something that's been a collaborative effort among the Rhode Island Coalition of Reproductive Freedom, um, which involves not only uh, RIPA, but it also involves Planned Parenthood, involves many physician colleagues, ACOG of Rhode Island, 
and, and others that have uh, an interest in reproductive health. So it's been truly a collaborative effort to really pull through uh, an initiative to help increase access to contraception. So this past Tuesday, I was heard by the Senate HHS Committee, which is the Health and Human Services, which we really pulled through uh, a great group of people to hear the bill and talk about their perspectives on challenges with having access to contraception, whether it's in their personal life, their friends, family, and also challenges with ensuring payment for these for this service as well. For Senate Bill 292 for a tobacco cessation prescribing, this was introduced by Senator Bridget Valverde. Um, one thing to remember is that about a month prior, it actually passed through the House under Representative Teresa Tanzi's uh, you know, um, advocacy. And this has been something she's worked on like Senator Valverde for over five years. So a lot of persistency in this area. But I do want to give a shout out that the past year and a half, we've really worked closely with the Rhode Island Department of Health. We've worked with BHDDH. We've also worked with the American Lung Association and a lot of the key stakeholders that really have a shared passion for improving access to uh, and improving access to tobacco cessation and reducing complications in terms of public health. So I really want to say without them, I really feel like we wouldn't have been as, as successful as we as we have been to date. So thank you to them. I'm looking forward to continuing that progress and hopefully we make it out of the Senate in a future uh, session. Thanks for the update, Chris. And another exciting public health bill. Uh, that we didn't know coming, but also we understand to be a collaborative effort with some uh, physician colleagues of ours, uh, Dr. Chan and leader of the Rhode Island Public Health Institute, Dr. Amy Nunn. Um, these folks uh, work at Open Door Health and have worked to look at successful bills in other states, particularly Maine, to ensure that the biggest barrier to HIV prevention drugs, which is financial, is put into state law. And then with that state law, additional access through pharmacists prescribing uh, through the methods that Bryn had talked about. So, you know, all really public health things, it makes sense that people who need these drugs often have the least access to healthcare, have had bad experiences with healthcare. So by expanding to pharmacists, and honestly, it's pretty remarkable to have this all in a session. Chris, have you seen this before? No, uh, I have not, at least for the past few years that I've been involved in the legislative actions for RIPA. But this year, because we've had such a great collaboration with the sponsors of all the bills, um, you know, we talked about ensuring that our bills were heard in a timely fashion, and also how can it be more effective and efficient for our, you know, our our students, our, our medical colleagues that would all come together and and speak on behalf of the bill. So, if you actually think of what happened this past week, we had more than ten bills that were heard that were related to pharmacy. So even some bills that weren't of necessarily interest or, or that we were even aware of. We're able to be there and, and witness and maybe even uh, give commentary or testimony, I should say, on those bills. For example, uh, there's PBM legislation that's going through in Rhode Island this year and actually last year as well. But because of that, we were able to have a, a joint voice with some of our uh, pharmacy owners of independent pharmacies and, and really bring them in together. So, you know, it's something that I think it's more effective and efficient for the legislators. It's easier for us to have a student come out of class or come after class and talk about three or four bills rather than going on three or four days. And especially for those that are uh, have a job or employed and, and be able to take time out of work, it's, it's certainly a barrier. So we want to have the most voices um, at the same time as, as reasonably possible. So I want to give a big shout out to the Senate sponsors that really advocated for this because without them, um, it would be a real challenge to give our best effort. And I think what was great and was really recognized, and anyone can watch the, the video of the hearing, um, and we'll be posting clips of the video, uh, thanks to Bryn. And Bryn's second day of her public health rotation with me, 
she went and testified and heard all these bills. So Bryn, what was it like testifying for the bills? What do you think about that? Absolutely. So being able to testify for these bills, not only as a student, but also on my second day of this rotation was a really great experience for many reasons. Um, to start off, I think my opinions really changed on the role of students in advocacy. Um, before I came into this rotation, learning about advocacy in class or at conferences, it always felt like something that was best left to the professionals, the subject matter experts, the experienced people that, in my um, opinion, I thought that were the people that lawmakers wanted to hear from. But after testifying and being able to submit written testimony for multiple bills and also being able to provide um, verbal testimony during the hearing, my opinion really changed. Um, we had uh, some really great feedback from one of the senators who actually really commended us um, for multiple students, not only showing up that day, but also making sure that our voices were heard and knowing that my actions and my words not only um, showed my passion and the students' passion for these public health efforts, but that they all actually made an impact, I think was a really big moment for me as a student and has definitely shown me that not only that I have the power to make a difference, but students as a group are so powerful. And so I think that going forward, I would definitely say to any other students that our role in the advocacy process is so important. Um, so really to make sure that you're getting involved and being more knowledgeable about what bills are in process and how that affects pharmacists and our career in the future is definitely very important. I think uh, one thing that was noted, not only that you know, the folks in the room, the lobbyists see us there. They see us as a force. They see the white mm -hmm. coats. And even some of the bill sponsors got pictures and put it on social media. Mm -hmm. And really, it's to, to Chris, you've really been the person to unify. I think pharmacists not only think that there's experts that are doing this, or I can't take time out of work, or it's too hard to do, when you can write a paragraph, you can show up and write an X. One of the things that impressed me was the chair, uh, Chair Miller said, wow, you know, there's full support. There's a lot of names. And we always were told that, and now we're engaging them. But the fact that this all came together was really through, Chris, your relationship with the with the bill sponsors. Do you want to talk about, um, you know, as past and future president of RIPA, you've gained a lot of support for advocacy. What would you recommend to our listeners to increase and sustain the reach? Yeah, I, I think being present. So you have to be there, right? So you've probably all heard that phrase, like, you know, you have to have a seat at the table. And if you don't have a seat at the table, you have to create one. You have to show up at the parties. You have to show up at the events. And if you're not there, then you can't really be part of the conversation. So, you know, through the past several years, I think growing relationships is, is the most important part of this. And I think a lot of people really get frustrated over advocacy issues because they feel like they're not their voice isn't heard but you know we really need to spend the time of learning the passion and learning the challenges that you know our legislators go through um, the people that are on these coalitions that I work with and what has happened before how can we make it better and how can we improve on you know future collaborations that we have you know in many years to come so for me, it was really recognizing that we need to have our, you know, even if we disagree on some of our issues with medical colleagues or other other professions, we need to hear what those are and address them proactively. So, you know, we've we've really done as a group, you know, not only on the legislative team, but among other places, just reaching across the aisle, you know, per se, and and asking them what we can do to help them. I think we all set our legislative priorities each year and pick a few of them, but the, the thing that we don't do or we haven't done in, in prior years is really listen to what their concerns are. So now we're getting consulted about certain bills and asking us to weigh in, give questions, um, and then even show up for testimony where we even 
didn't think what we would do before. So I think for us, like we really need to make sure that we're communicating with our peers and make sure that we're bringing people to the table. So, and one thing, one thing that I think was impressive, you just sent me, uh, Senator Coleman sent out a message, you know, oh, to yes, constituents right, yeah. and said, you know, we recognize you. Know, here's my bill, and I just want to see that the future students like Bryn are there doing it. So that showing up at the table, like we know where the table is, we can tell people where it's at. And what's great about getting the pictures in the Senate chamber, you know, I had never set foot in there, and I've testified for a decade at that state house. You know, what's the importance? Let's end with what's the important and uh, the stat regimen, yeah. I should say. With uh, so we got to keep it short. Uh, <laughs> really tough with Jeff and I. I know, it's yeah, uh, sounds more of like a lengthy regimen. The archive but, yeah, of the yeah. Facebook lives. Yeah. Anyway, uh, award-winning, award-winning Facebook live, Facebook live. immunization award 2021. The future award-winning stat regimen, thanks to Bryn. But um, so tell us about the importance of social media to, to both sure. engage and advocate and and just keep those relationships up when you can't be in all the places all the time. Yeah, I think that's something that I've noticed in, in many different forums is that, you know, people are very vocal. People are really passionate about certain things. But, you know, for us, one thing I want to come back to really quickly is that, you know, you can have that voice online and in a social media presence, but bring that passion to the state house. Bring that passion physically, um, emotionally, um, respectfully, and then also written testimony that we talked about before. So even when students such as Brinley, and I'll maybe ask you this after, is people are very intimidated of showing up and doing that. But when we went and sat down, you know, at the, the committee meeting, you know, like you said before, Chair Miller really commended us as a group and saying, like, wow, there's so many students here. There's a great group. Everyone came in their white coats. It really shows an importance and really showing a lot of respect. So for social media, though, I think what we can really do is we can highlight what we're doing to bring a broader awareness. You know, email is challenging enough, but we can show the pictures, we can show what we did there, we can show the collaboration, we can actually share links. So what one thing that I've done through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all that, even LinkedIn, is to direct people, and we're gonna, I'm guessing Brindley is gonna be talking about this in a future regimen, but really trying to show people, how do I do this? What's the, what's the direction that I need to be successful in, in navigating the legislative process? So I think for us, it's, sharing here's the bill here's the language let me tell you what this bill accomplishes let me point to you directions on how to submit written testimony because it is challenging and it is a little intimidating but when you show up it's actually not and they're really enjoyable to um they really enjoy listening to to your testimony so brent mm -hmm. when you were there what was your experience absolutely so when i attended it was much more pleasant and welcoming than i thought it would be um, I think there's kind of this preconceived notion that whenever you're dealing with government affairs um, as a younger person, it might be a little bit more intimidating being less experienced than all of these other people. Um, but I really felt welcomed in and I felt like when I had my testimony and even watching other people's testimonies as well, everyone was very attentive to what we were saying, the main messages behind what we were conveying and really the reason why we were there which was to make change in uh, positive movements for public health. And I think that really was taken into account. Um, and so overall, I had a great experience and I would love to do it again for future bills as we continue with this movement. And, and another thing, I just want to give a shout out to the University of Rhode Island College of Pharmacy as well. So, you know, during the last several years of being involved with RIPA, we've really grown very closer 
on a number of initiatives. And this is no different. So, you know, when we started posting, you know, you know, myself and, and Senator Kalman and, and uh, Senator Valverde, you know, bringing awareness of what we were doing, actually we partnered with URI and they reshared all of our posts, bring a broader reach and really showing not only appreciation for the students, faculty and alumni like myself, Dr. Sands, and that was also there. Receptors, exactly. Receptors, yep. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that we've really partnered well to really amplify the message in a united front and really bring, bring awareness to the great work that we're doing to try to advance the profession. That's a great point. I think there's definitely, that definitely speaks to the fact that there are power in numbers. And especially when you have so many different people representing pharmacy and our profession as a whole, I think we could really go far. Um, and so with that being said, I think that implementing legislation to expand pharmacists' scope of practice is really the regimen to increasing medication access, improving public health, and really working towards health equity. And advocating for these bills and others that make progress towards this effort are really overall essential for improving public health. Don't forget, you can find out about new episodes of The Regimen and when you need it, the Stat Regimen on Twitter and Instagram at Health. And all of the Regimen podcast episodes are also available wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Google. And try to check us out on our YouTube channel and share, 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 and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. <laughs>